Thank you, Owen. Good afternoon, everyone. Hope you can hear me okay. Yeah, it is hot today, but uh, I'm glad the sun is shining. That's, that's one good thing. But I think we're all tired of this heat, aren't we? Well, I am anyway. Okay. So I wanted to talk today about um, how we're currently living in the time of deception and how I think we're leading the time of the great deception towards the end times. Um, and this is a message I got inspired by listening to another message from a, a pastor in, a, uh, I think, Birmingham, Alabama, um, Gary Boone. But, uh, yeah, and, and how <coughs> it comes down to this. Truth and deception. Will you recognize the difference? Okay. A survey was taken this year, earlier this year, by the veteran researcher George, Ber uh, George Barner, and it showed that just 37% of all Christian pastors have a biblical worldview. That's a pretty staggering number. Let me say it again. 37% of American church pastors have a biblical worldview. And the alarming findings were dismissed by some as unsurprising, given the degree, given the degree of wokeness that has invaded Christian churches. So it's a staggering number that 60, so therefore 63% of Christian pastors in America don't have a biblical worldview. So that would explain some of these churches. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here. This may sound controversial. If you're going to allow a transsexual to come into a church and continue their lifestyle, how is that biblical? How is that right? abomination God says. If you have a homosexual couple come to church and you don't say anything to them, allow them to continue to live their lifestyle, that's an abomination God's eyes. It's condemned in the Bible, the Holy Scriptures. So you can't li lead a double life as a church by pretending to preach God's word when you're not really preaching God's word or, or giving the messages that are inspired by God, getting his getting God's idea of the world and how it should be as we look to the future and the future kingdom of God. Because it may be, you know, alarmful to some people, there will be no homosexual marriage in the kingdom of God. There will be no transgenders in the kingdom of God. Now, those people are obviously going to be welcomed. They have to repent. They have to stop that lifestyle. It cannot go on. So that's one one deception that the world is carrying on right now is how a lot of churches have these worldviews that are just against what God teaches, what Jesus Christ spoke about, and it's right here in the Holy Bible. Okay, it's right here in the pages of the Bible. You've got to understand that. You can't butter it up, make it sound nicey, nicey, fluffy. Those words are in the Bible, condemning these things. We must not forget that. So, the most important truths, therefore, are in the Holy Bible. The most important truths. But if we're not grounded in it, if we're not grounded in the Bible, 
we can become lost in deception. Let's turn to our first scripture I'm going to look at here. Uh, Book of John, chapter 4, and verses 21 through 25. And Jesus himself is speaking here. Yeah, and this is the the instance where Jesus meets the woman at the well, uh, the Samaritan woman. A very important meeting that a lot of people know that's mentioned in the Bible. So, uh, John chapter 4, and let's begin in verse 21. Jesus said to her as he spoke to the woman, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And I don't get down verse 26, but let's complete the section. Uh, verse, verse 26, And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I am the Christ. So, the Father is seeking such to worship him. This is an absolute it was true then, it's true now. We must worship God in spirit and truth because if we don't, if we're not giving it our all, we're not being Christ-like. And that's a tall order, I know, but we've got to try to get this back, get this Christ-like life. And some of these scriptures I'm going to give today, I'm just going to, I'm going to give them, you don't have to look, go to them, you, just, you can write them down if you need to, but um, I'll just read them myself. Like the next one I'm going to go to real quick here is 2 Timothy, just one verse, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 13. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Here, talking about the end times here, towards the end of the, end of the age. And then again in verse, uh, in the, uh, First John, chapter four and verse one. First John, chapter four and verse one. John says, "Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world." So there have always been false prophets, and there were at this time when John was writing about eighty to ninety A.D. Um, and there will always be false prophets until the return of Christ. And the one I can remember in my lifetime that we all know about is David Koer, down in Waco, Texas. Um, of course, I was living in England. I was a teenager when that whole thing broke out in the early 90s. Um, this guy claimed to be the Messiah. You know, Jesus returned or whatever he was, he was claiming. Um, but a complete charlatan who really was pretending to be something he clearly wasn't, had evil intentions and 
And unfortunately, over I think over 100 people died in that house. We set that house on fire, and that whole situation was just messed up. And but that was an example of a a, a guy with a false prophet. And, and although he he may have taught and read it from the Bible, he really twisted it to his own to his own ends. And this has happened in John's time, as we talked about in First John. Um, but our current human mind, a lot of times, cannot separate truth from deception. Our human mind is not made up that way. But the spiritual mind that God gives us is able to sift the truth from deception. The, fu- the spirit mind that God gives to us is able to sift the truth from the deception. The human mind can't do that. But with God's spirit mind, we can. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 10, I think, through 14. I didn't write it down here, but Brian should have that. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, when I see it, I'll, I'll remember. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 through 14 or 15. So, okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Can I give you verses 13, 10 through 12? Okay. Yeah, so, sorry, only only his spirit can do this. Um, the power of him in us enables us to have that discernment. Let's turn, you don't necessarily have to turn in right now, but this is another scripture I can give you, John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. And I gave a message on this a few years ago on truth, and it's one of the most famous ones that, that, uh, one of the most famous sayings that Christ gave, um, you shall know the truth in verse 32, and the truth shall set you free. But it's so very true, isn't it? Knowing the truth, knowing the truth gives us a freedom that nothing else gives us. God's truth breaks those bonds and chains that were holding us back in our former lifestyle. And Reading his holy word, him calling us and bringing us into the truth, breaks those things upon us. We're free to go and live a place of freedom. But on our journey here, in this time, as we know, the devil is always trying to impose himself in our lives. As we read in Ephesians 2, 
verses 1 and 2. Turn there real quick. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Yeah, verses 1 through 2. Prince of the power of the air. And he is there, walking around the earth like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. As Paul also said in another scripture. And Satan began that deception in the Garden of Eden with his smooth talking to Adam and Eve, having them take the fruit. And he was the master of deception. As Jesus said, he is, he is a liar and the master robber. He invented lies, as he did in the Garden of Eden, seeking of the serpent to, to tempt them to take that fruit. He said, oh, don't worry about that. God doesn't want you to have that because then you'll be as wise as him. So from the very beginning, his deception was, was plain and obvious. And it continues today without any question. But deception leads to disobedience. And disobedience, if it's not repented of, leads to eternal death. Okay? Deception leads to disobedience. And disobedience, if it's not repented of, leads to eternal death. Because he understands the scriptures, or he knows them too. And that's a powerful tool he has to go against us. But deception leads to disobedience. And that dis disobedience must be repented of. couple of uh, scriptures I'm going to talk to here. Uh, Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9. And this is in the same tone as that. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9. So here it explains how. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. The old dragon who deceived the whole world always has been and loves to do so. And then back a few pages to First um, John again. First John chapter 2, verses 15 through 23. First John chapter 2 and verses 15 23. Let's just read this here because this gives us another example of how to not love the world. Do not love the world. Verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Verse 18. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. 
but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. So there must have been at this time, John's talking about other false prophets that were going out there who knew some of the initial truth, but then went out on their own and claimed they were Christ's return and so on. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, <coughs> and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Verse 22, who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Verse 23, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So if we deny Christ, that is total disobedience. If we do not practice the truth, we deny God. What turns people away from God? Deception. And this we're now leading to the great deception, deception that John speaks of in both 1 John here and in Revelation in the, at the last hour, the time of the last hour, the last few years of, uh, of this age. And, and John here in his visions here in the book of Revelation and, and yeah, mostly in the book of Revelation where he has these visions from, from God, it just shows us how horrific it will be in what he calls the last hour, which is basically um, the last few years of man's free reign on earth. Because as we'll see in Revelation chapter 17, now I'm not going to read that now because that's the whole chapter for sake of time. If it's one you want to write down, uh, Revelation chapter 17, verses 1 through 18. And this is where the world is truly moving into the time of the great deception as the beast and the false prophet are talked about by John. And you can read that in your own time. But this will basically be um, probably a resurrection of the Holy Roman Empire based in Europe. Um, probably the Catholic Church will lead it. Um, but joined together with a great political power, a great political leader, or a civil ruler who will, will have tremendous sway over the world. And those two combined in the last hour really, truly will deceive the world in ways that we've never seen before. And that's also talked about, so Revelation chapter 17, the whole chapter, uh, 1 through 18. And then Daniel talks about similar events in Dan Daniel chapter 7, uh, verses 8 to verse 20. And you can look at those, those in your own time. But um, what, what it is here is a, uh, um, a political ruler and a great false prophet. And together, those two come together the perfect storm of the economic, political, and religious that will take the world by surprise. But it won't take us by surprise. Not true believers. Because we have been told to watch for these things. Have we not? The last 40, 50 years? 
So the whole world, though, will bow down to this false religious beast, whoever he is. And it, it, it's talked about, and it's very reminiscent, of course, of what happened in to Daniel with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How they were told they had to you know, bow down and worship that image. They refused to do so. They were thrown into the fiery furnace. And God protected them and let them survive it. But this heretical ruler and religious ruler, along with the devil behind them, empowering them, to seek to destroy the true church and the remnant. And I'm going to look at just a couple of verses here just to look at that. We need to look at that ourselves right now. Uh, Revelation, one verse here. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 17. Look at that real quick. Revelation chapter 1 and uh, verse 17. And John says, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. In his vision, he saw Jesus Christ here, the Alpha and the Omega. Yeah, so these two characters, these two individuals, the political leader and the religious leader will have will be very charismatic individuals uh, with magnetic personalities who will hold the world in sway by the way they talk and what they say, portray themselves as saviors. Okay, they'll promise the world deliverance. And this reminded me of a story I heard about on the radio about 10, 12 years ago of how. Um, I believe it was a New York Times reporter went over to uh, Germany pre-World War II in the 1930s and went to report on Adolf Hitler because you know, he was getting a lot of power in, in, in Europe and, and Germany in particular and it was getting American attention. And this uh, New York Times reporter was saying about how much he was mesmerized by Hitler when he was in Jerusalem. Maybe, maybe he was a genocide German. Um, and how the whole crowd really was under his um, spell, as it were, and how you could be taken in easily by this guy who was preaching, you know, preaching up there. And we've seen, we've seen video footage of, of him talking to tens of thousands of people, and them all, you know, hail Hitler at the end of it, and so on. So it's happened before in history. It will happen again. At the end time, these two leaders will have the whole world in sway and have them bowing down to them and to some false image they will erect. But a small remnant will be left. Those who do not bow down to the image will be killed. It's here in the book of Revelation. But those who will stay and be close to God, those of us who have a relationship with Him, they'll be spiritually prepared. We know these things are going to happen, these events. I prophesy the forecast is going to happen. We'll be ready for that, and we have to have that spiritual discernment to understand the time that we're, we're facing at that time. And so I also want to uh, turn to uh, 
Revelations chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13, verses 1 through 10. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous, blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, the devil, Satan was given his power, his throne, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. Verse, verse 6 here, verse 4, sorry. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months, two and a half years. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war, to make war with the saints and to overcome them. That'll be us and those that are left, the remnant that's left at the end time, to make war with us, to go and find us to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. All, everyone on the earth will know this guy is and worship him. He's so powerful. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So John says, if anyone has an ear, let him hear he who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. So this is the beast and the civil ruler, the, the political leader, given the power to destroy the true church and the remnant of those of us who are left. Let's continue verses 11 through 18 here. Chapter, Revelation chapter 13, verses 11 through 18. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell on it to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes the fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. He has the power to bring down fire from heaven, another thing to deceive the world and say, look, look, look what power I can do, I have. He performs great signs. Yes, yeah, sorry, I read that verse. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and live. He was granted power to give birth to the image of the beast that the image of the beast would both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So it's right there in the book of Revelation. If you do not bow down and worship that image, you have been sentenced to death. Either you do it or you die. It's right here in the book of Revelation. Like it was in the time of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast or the number of the man. His number is 666. So, this, this remnant that is left will be will be really having to plug into God, really have to be praying that he saved them and see them through this time because this is this is a time of evil, the last hour, a time of great deception that will be on the world. And we're really gonna have to you know, have him in our hearts and minds because you know, with <laughs> when this deception comes with signs and wonders, it'll make it even more plausible, won't it? If we're not properly tuned in to God's laws and commandments, we will be deceived. Okay? It's that simple. You know, if we have the truth of God in our life, if we are guided by the Holy Spirit, we can see this deception coming and not be a part of it. All right, I'm going to just turn to a couple, last couple of verses of scriptures here. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2. Okay, yeah, Second Thessalonians chapter 2 uh, and verses... 1 through 13. Yeah, this is, this is where Paul um, has come to Thessalonica, Thessalonica to talk to them because they were getting caught up into the deception that's going on at that time, thinking that Christ either had already returned or was about to return. So Paul had to come and tell them, no, Christ has not returned because this hasn't happened yet, this hasn't happened yet, so no, he isn't. But he puts them straight and, and says, this is what you can look for. So, Second um, Thessalonians chapter two, verse one. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. He opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And this is Paul speaking about the, uh, the false prophet here, the, the last hour. Do you not remember, he says in verse 5, that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what it is to strain that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. When Christ returns, 
if these this false prophet will be destroyed by Christ himself. So the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all the unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And this is, this is what's happening right now, and it's going to happen even more. So stand fast. Verse 13, But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. God chose us. He separated us out. He called us. And by having him in us, in our minds, we are able to discern the truth from the deception. I've got to reiterate that point because that's what it comes down to. We will be able to see this guy, he cannot be, he cannot be Jesus came for. Look at him. Look what he's doing. Look at the life he's leading. You think that's to bow down and worship him? Mm -mm. No way. You know, come on. I mean, and, but the whole world was, oh yeah, this guy, I love him, look at him. So beautiful. The words he says are so inspiring. Oh, there's that image. Let's go bow down right now. Let's do it again tonight. If, if this kind of thing will happen, we'll see it and we go, what? Am I the only one here in this room that understands what's going on? God will inspire us. He, he'll see us through it, okay? With the, the mind of Christ in us, we'll, we'll see through that. And I'll just finish off with a couple of quick verses here. Um, John chapter 17, verse 17. As Jesus pray, prays to the Father here, right as he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, he's praying, he prays for the disciples, he prays for us as he has this intimate, close prayer to the Father. He asks that they may be sanctified. Again, you know, sanctified, set apart, purified, made holy. By your truth, he says. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And finally, let's go back to where I started, John chapter 4 and verses 21 through 24 again. Just finish back up there where we started. And I'll just go through verse 24 this time. Verse, John chapter 4, verses 21 through 24. Jesus speaking to the woman at the well here, the Samaritan woman. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming where you will neither, sorry, when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him. Spirit and truth. So the only true worship is the one advocated by God. Satan is having his time now. He's loving it now as he deceives the world. But we know how the story ends, don't we? Christ is going to return. It's prophesied here in the book of Revelation. We know Christ is going to return. The second coming is going to happen. And he 
will reveal its ultimate truth when returns and sets up his kingdom. He'll come in, come in glory and power and destroy that false prophet and the beast. Throw him into the lake of fire. And I know how some of us don't want to have to live through those end times, the last hour, as it's called, the last 42 months before Christ returns, because it's going to be awful, horrible, and trying, trying times. And well, why does it have to be so bad? Well, there's a reason. It's part of God's plan and the foundation of the earth. And it's very similar to Lazarus' story. Now, Jesus knew Lazarus was going to die. Okay? Jesus could have gone over to Bethany and healed Lazarus at his end. Jesus let Lazarus die. This is Jesus' greatest miracle, I think, to perform of, of everything. He, he uh, resurrected the, the boy to life, or the little girl, sorry, and the, and the widow's son, I believe. But raising Lazarus after being dead for four days was truly phenomenal. And this was a sign from him, powered by the Father, to show to his people, to show us that he is the Christ. He is the one. And that scared the Jewish authorities in Jerusalem. He's now resurrecting people. We've got to get rid of him. We've got to destroy this guy, whoever he is. He's getting more and more powerful and more... He's uh, winning more people over. We've got to stop this guy. But that was part of his plan. His earthly ministry was to allow Lazarus to die, then come back and resurrect him. Unfortunately, these end times are part of God's plan. It's going to happen bit by bit because it's prophesied, and that way the truth of all of God's prophecies will come true bit by bit, one after the other. This is going to happen next. That's going to happen next. Sure enough, here it is. Although it's going to be horrible and bad and hard to get through, it's part of his plan. And the end is part of his plan too. But we will get through those times saying to God and he will reward us. So let's be, tr be faithful to God. Let's remember his holy word. Let's pray that he inspires us, that he guides us each and every day because the world <coughs> right now is trying to deceive us as it has done for many, many years throughout our lifetimes. There's so much evil out there. It's going to get worse, okay? We're just in the starting stages. And some say the mark of the beast was the, um, the vaccination, the vaccines. No, because we're the other things too. Where's the false prophet? You know, where's the other prophecies that are supposed to happen? So, but it was a, like a, uh, a sign of how the governments of the world can come together and take control of everyone's life. So, let's just pray that God inspires us, He sees us through this, and let's never stop praying, Thy kingdom come. May that day be soon.